0: not light no light no yeah it's too much Sare Nanga Charmi Dhammam Dha nussati metta ca asubhaṁ maranaśati iti ima catura rakha bhikkhu bhāveya silava Friends, today is the second day of our retreat. As it is the thematic retreat, you all know The theme for this retreat is Metta. In line with that, we all need to focus on this topic, on Metta. For this Dhamma talk, our topic is how to practice Metta effectively. Metta is a thought to be aroused and developed, cultivated by all of us. Metta is part and parcel of our practice, of course, our life. As Bhante Ji himself mentioned yesterday, each and everybody has this uh, seed, metta seed. Once we are born, we have metta in us. But we have to develop this, cultivate this, so that it grows properly and it becomes a powerful tool. It becomes a powerful uh, tool so that we can use it in our daily life. Metta is aroused. Metta is developed practice for the purpose of... Eliminating our emotional and negative thoughts such as ill will, anger, hatred, jealousy, and hostility. When practiced this metta, we can become more and more peaceful. That is why. The Buddha recommended this to practice us as a part of our practice, as the beginning, uh, the guardian meditation, or in order to develop our serenity. Metta is to be understood properly, clearly. Before we understand how to practice metta effectively. We have to understand the importance of metta. The Buddha very clearly said metta is the greatest meritorious deed. It is the greatest meritorious deed. We do many different types of merits such as offering, such as dana, seela. we offer do many different types of puja sometimes many different types of puja in the uh, traditional buddhist countries you can see many different types of pujas of all these puja of all these things the buddha said the greatest greatest punya greatest merit is practicing metta one day the buddha said Suppose there are two persons. One person is giving, offering dana. He offers 100 big pots of rice for breakfast. 100 pots for breakfast. Then 100 pots for lunch. Then 100 pots for dinner. So 3000 huge jars, huge pots of rice, three hundred pots per day. there's another person, the second person he is sitting there, practice bta only for a second, only during the time of snapping, like this. The Buddha said, "I appreciate not the person who gives three hundred pots of food every day." but the person who practises metta, loving friendliness. So metta is such important. Another occasion, (coughs) the Buddha, while travelling with the monks, he saw a, a sort of heap of ember, fire. Seeing this ember, the Buddha said, monks, can you eat this? Can you eat this fire, this ember? Can you eat? Then how can you eat? The monks were quite afraid, uh, scared of, of even hearing this. And then the Buddha said, ah, like that, like that, the food, drinks and everything given by people, if you eat without virtues, you are eating not the food, but the that type of ember. So be careful what is given by others. Whatever given by others, when you consume, be careful, be virtuous and use it. That is, when the Buddha said this, the monks, some monks, they been afraid, they disturb, and some monks, they committed suicide. Then after uh, reviled the Buddha, after several days, weeks, the Buddha, uh, understood that monks, less monks now, less monks. Then he asked why, 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 where are the other monks? Then Ananda said they, some of them disturbed, some of them uh, committed suicide after listening to that uh, sutta, that discourse. But they gave a discourse, full discourse, that is called aggikandopama sutta, the heap of fire. Heap of ember, the sutta. Then Buddha <coughs> asked Venerable Lananda to summon all the monks. And he said, monks, if you practice metta during the time of this, napping, hmm, during this time, achara saṅgāta. Achara saṅgāta means snapping. If you practice metta during the time of snapping, That itself is good and then you are worthy to receive, worthy to use whatever given by others. You can consume this without any harm. Then again the Buddha emphasized the importance of metta. Another sutta in the numerical discourse. Buddha delivered a discourse named Velama Sutta which is again very important discourse, where the Buddha said, monks in the past there was a Brahmin named Velama, he who gave many different things. Buddha, Buddha mentioned, he gave he gave 84,000 golden balls filled with silver. 84,000 Bowls like the monks begin bowl eighty four thousand filled with silver, and then eighty four thousand silver bowls filled with gold, and he gave many types of things, many animals, even tusks, even animals like uh, elephants, very well decorated elephants decorated with golden golden nets. And the ho- horses, 80,000 horses, 80,000 elephants like that, many different things, foods, nothing to say about foods, Like just like flowing of river, the Buddha said. That is how this Brahmin gave dana. Uh, you might think that he was another person. No, it was me, the Buddha said, it was not the other person, but it was me who gave that dana. In the past. But monks. There was no proper recipient for that dana. No recipient. Proper recipient for that dana. To become more fruitful. More virtuous. No proper recipient. The dana. Whatever dana given. The Buddha said. If you give a dana. To a a virtuous one. That is more fruitful. There, the Buddha said, if you give the dana to a uh, one Shritana, giving dana to a one, one Shritana is better than giving uh, hundred uh, stream enterers, Sotapanna. Giving, giving dana to one, so, uh, one Sakadagami, Sakadagami means one Shritana. One sakadagami is better than giving hundred uh, sotapanna stream entries. So, if they have a one, if they have one, one sotapanna, the dana would be more fruitful in comparison to this. Again, the Buddha further said, if one can give a dana to a non-returner, one non-returner is better, more fruitful than giving dhāna to a uh, hundred once-returners. Giving dhāna to uh, one enlightened one, arahant, is better, more fruitful than giving hundred non-returners. Giving dhāna to the Buddha, uh, Pacheka Buddha, is better, more fruitful than giving dhāna to hundred arahants. In this manner, finally, the Buddha said. Uh, Buddha said, further, uh, building a monastery to the monastic is more better, more fruitful than offering such a dana. And finally, said, if you practice metta, metta during the time of the, fulling uh, the udder of the cow, to milk the cow, just during that time when you fool the udder of the uh, cow, even during that time if you can meditate metta that will be more fruitful, more important, more successful than uh, offering such things. So the Buddha in such a way, Buddha emphasized the need of practicing and the importance of practicing this metta. Friends, there is a Sutta name Ma Punya Bhai. Punya means meritorious deed. We want to do more and more meritorious deed because we are sansaric beings. In sansara we need in our sansaric journey we need merit. It is because of a meritorious deed done in the past we were born here as humans. Just think of animal beings, why we were born as humans, those who have developed mind, humans means developed mind, why we were born in this manner, why we got a good mother, good father, hmm? good uh, husband, good uh, wife, good children, like that. Think of the positive side of this life. Why we got this? That is what. That is how we defined it. We defined it, it is because of our karma. Good karma done in the past. So, the Buddha delivered this particular discourse and said, "Ma Punya Bhai, monks, do not be afraid of doing good deeds. Do not be afraid. People are quite afraid sometimes to even... Good deeds. So Ma Punya Bhai Sutta, the Buddha said you to do three three good deeds, three types of good deeds. What are the three? Dhanancha samacharyacha metta chittancha bhavai, dhanancha, practice dana, generosity. Practice generosity. That is the first thing to do. Generosity is necessary. Dāna is the first thing. Dāna, Sīla, Bhāvana. Three things to be practiced by all Buddhists. So, Dāna is the first thing here. Dāna. Then, Samacharya. What is Samacharya? Samacharya means good conduct. Good conduct. There are right conducts and wrong conduct. Samacharya means good conduct, right conduct. Right conduct here means the ten wholesome, actions. Repraining from killing. Repraining from stealing. Repraining from uh, sexual misconduct. uh, Repraining from false speech. Repraining from malicious talk. Repraining from harsh speech. Repraining from uh, frivolous talk. Repraining from covetousness. Then, Repraining from grief and reprehending from ill uh, wrong view, these are reprehension. When you repent from this, you are doing good deeds. So those are called uh, samacharya, samacharya means good conduct. And then the Buddha said practice metta, practice metta as a part of our practice. So what is Metta? What is the purpose of Metta? Let's understand a little bit of what is Metta and why we practice Metta. Metta is the, it is, we use the term uh, loving friendliness. As I said yesterday the, we here at Bhavana we use the term Loving friendliness, not love and kindness. Metta is the immeasurable love. It is immeasurable love. We, when we extend metta, no measure. We have no bounds. It is boundless love. It is limitless love. It is, uh, it is the love that we extend to all beings irrespective of their size, irrespective of their color, their differences, no differences at all. We have to spread metta, suffice metta to all beings in all directions. All directions. The Buddha taught us to practice metta to the six directions. Six different directions. That is what... We practiced uh, yesterday, extending metta to all beings in the front direction, back direction, right direction, left direction, upper direction and lower direction. That's how we practice. So metta uh, is the love, it is the universal love. That is how we can say. Love is threefold. There are three types of love. Carnal love, filial love and universal love. Carnal love is sexual, sensual love. Pileal love is family love. In family we have we have we love each other, parents, children, like that. And the universal love is boundless, that is limitless, immeasurable love. Those are the Three types of love. At the same time, we need to understand there are uh, n- another two terms which, which, quite closer to uh, metta, metta, karuna, and pema. Three ter- terms: metta, karuna, and pema. Uh, Metta is love and friendliness, that is love and friendliness. Karuna means not metta. This is quite confused, some people have confused these two. Metta and compassion. Uh, Love and kindness, love and friendliness, love and friendliness and love and kindness. Kindness means uh, compassion then Pema Pema is mostly used in Hinduism it is alright we can use but Pema is not what the Buddha meant by Metta Pema Buddha said Pema to Jayati Soko Pema to Jayati bhayam Pema to Vipamutas Nati Soko Kuto Bhayang Pema to jayati soko, if you have Pema, that sort of love, which is emotional, emotional love, that is family love, or carnal love. If you have that sort of love, Pema, Pema to jayati soko, from Pema, sorrow springs, sorrow springs because of Pema, because of that particular love. Pema to jayati soko. It is a cause for sorrow. Pema jayati It is because of Pema that bhaya the fear arises. Pema to He who has no uh, Pema, no, that particular love, has no sorrow, no fear. That is what the Buddha said. So friends, we have to understand this differences as well. Similarities are to be understood as similarities. Differences are to be understood as differences. So why should we practice metta? Metta, the purpose of practicing metta is calming down, serenity, concentration. Basically we practice practice metta in order to develop our serenity, develop our concentration. So without metta, without practicing metta, of course we have some other other uh, objects as well, though metta is quite easier to practice. Quick, Quickly we can come to the state of calmness if we practice metta. This is why we have to practice metta as a part of our practice. When we practice metta, we extend love to all beings, all beings in the world. Beans, beans the Pali term for beings is satta. satta. Satta, satta means clinging. All beings are clinging, clinging to air. Not outside, clinging to ourselves. That is why we are called beings, satta. We cling to ourselves. Ourselves means these five aggregates. We all are clinging to these five aggregates. What are the five aggregates? Form, feelings, perception, volitional formation, and consciousness. We cling to these five aggregates. That is why, that is why we are called beings. Then, what about arahants and uh, buddhas? Are they beings? No, they are not beings. Arahants are not beings. Enlightened ones are not beings. Why? They are not clinging to these five aggregates. They simply have these five aggregates, but not clinging. In our, case, in our case, the difference is, we are clinging to these five aggregates. So, satta, whatever satta, whatever beings living in all worlds, you know the world according to the Buddhism, Buddhist cosmology, there are 31 realms. In all these 31 realms there are beings. There are thousands world systems thousand world system, twice a thousand world system, and thrice a thousand world system. That is how the Buddha talked about the world. In this world, in this whole universe, there are many types of beings, wherever beings there is dukkha. All these beings have one characteristic, that is they all die, because they were born. Once they were born, they all die. All these beings are categorized into different groups. (coughs) Buddha has categorized these different beings. Buddha said, beings are born according to their birth, Buddha categorized. There are at least three different categories. Let me to let me to explain a little bit about this also because we should know what these beings are so that we can extend our metta to all these beings without any discrimination. <coughs> the first category is according to their birth. The Buddha said there are beings they are born in born in eggs, egg born beings. Andajat. Beans are born in eggs. So eggs means the place where beans are born. If you destroy, that is uh, quite unwholesome. So eggs. Uh, andaja. Then the second one is jalabuja. Jalabuja means beans are born in the mother's in the mother's womb. That is the second types jala abuja. Then that the third is beans are born in moisture. Different beans like plies, mosquitoes, in moisture they are born. And then there are beans, they are born spontaneously. So some people don't believe this. You know, what is more in the world are beyond our senses. These six senses, our senses are limited. We can understand only limited things. We cannot understand more things. We know only little, (coughs) only little. But more are beyond our knowledge, beyond our uh, wisdom. So uh, these are the four categories. Andajya, Jalabuja, Obapati. Buddha categorized these beings according to their birth. And then the Buddha categorized again, Buddha said, uh, according to their features, characteristics. Buddha categorized again in a particular discourse. There's a discourse very early days buddha delivered a discourse named khanda sutta khanda means aggregate once a certain monk was bitten by a snake and he died uh, then the monks went to the buddha and reported the buddha said monks if this monks had practiced had been practiced in uh, metta towards different beings He would have not died in this manner, bitten by a snake. The Buddha pointed out there are four types of snakes for those the Buddha recommended to practice metta. Where the Buddha said, Apadaka, there are some beings, there are beings, those who have no foot, footless beings, that is according to their. Characteristic footless beings like snakes. Apadaka. Second uh, type is dipadaka, those who have two feet means those who have two feet. Then chatupada uh, apadaka <coughs> dipadaka chatupada. means four. Four feet means those who have four feet. And then Bahupada. Those who have many feet uh, like centipede, millipede, multiped uh, beans. So those are another category for which all beings are included. All, all beans can be included to these categories. The famous Sutta metta Sutta. <coughs> In the Karaniya metta Sutta. Buddha pointed out, Buddha categorized all beings, mainly, first and foremost, Buddha categorized all beings into two groups. The first group is Tasa. the second is Thavara, Thasaava, Thavarava, Thasa, Thavara, two groups. Of the two, Thavara means those who are fixed, those who are immovable. There are beings immovable, they can't move. Just like huge mountain, it's a bean. cannot move, it's a bean. like hungry ghost, there are hungry ghost, such ghost, they cannot move, they are like, like, you see, like a mountain there, but it's a being, like that, in the ocean, there are such beings, they are called immovable beings. Thavara beans and then Thasa bean Thasa means moving beans. This Thasa uh, type, this moving, movable, moving beans are again categorized into 12 group, 12 types. Buddha said, Lone, large, medium, short, subtle, or gross. Visible or invisible, living near or far, born or coming to birth. Those are the twelve types. Dīgāvā e-mahantāvā, majjimā, rasak Anuka Tula dittāvā e-vadittā, e-cadūre, vasānti avidūre, sambhavesiva. In such a way, the Buddha categorized this. All these categories were given to practice metta, not to eat. Not to eat. Like some other sources, you find how beings were categorized to eat. Hmm? You you see some like in the Bible, of course. You see in the Bible, it is very clear the the god categorized beans and particular beans you can eat them but according to buddhism beans cannot be killed even an ant if you kill with the intention intentional uh, killing is wrong so it is karma it is bad karma if you kill so for buddhist we cannot kill any bean so we Instead, we have to practice metta. We have to practice metta to all beings. When you practice metta, the Buddha's instruction is not only metta. Metta, karuna, mudita, upekka, four things. What are these four? These are called four sublime abodes, Brahma, Vihara. If you practice these four, you are living as a divine divinely dwell in here. If you practice hmm? these four, these are called four Brahma Vihar. When you practice this, these are so powerful. Metta itself is so powerful. Perhaps you don't believe power, power of metta. Believe or not, I'll tell you some stories. I'll, st- I'll start with myself. <coughs> How I practice and how I use it. The Last two months I was in Sri Lanka. <coughs> I went there March 1st. And from March 20 to April 10th, I was in a forest monastery. While I was there, I got a message from my sister She's living in Italy. She said, "Bante, my close friend, her uh, her child, a girl, only six month, six month girl. Now she is in the hospital. She is critical. Bante, please do something." She said. Uh, then. I did not know the person i I have never seen the, uh, them near i have never seen the parents or the the this uh, infant I have never seen them I did not know their name also from where is not uh, uh, even i don't know from where they are however I asked her to send me a picture of the uh, little one then she's She sent me the picture. I started to practice metta. I extend metta, wholeheartedly I practice metta. And what happens? Next day, my sister said, little one, she opened her eyes and started to suck the milk from her mother's she started to milk, so my mother fed her. And then the following day, again continued practice, and then the following day I heard that the child was discharged and <clears throat> went home. That is my experience. When my mother, my own mother was sick, she had a problem with uh, ice, cataract. about. Ten years ago, she had cataract and uh, she was hospitalized uh, to do the surgery. After that, only I was informed. Then I got two lights to my hands, two uh, uh, candles. And with these two lights, I determined may my mother's. Eyes be bright. May she be cured. Like that, I thought, and with that determination, I practiced. Then the following day, she was discharged. She did not want to get that done. And it was after about eight years, she had to uh, do it again. So, like that. We can use metta. And there are many different, disc- different stories like this. Once, Anagarika Dharmapala, he was a, a Sri Lankan person, Sri Lankan a sort of hero. While he was in India, <coughs> the British rulers asked the superintendent of police to send him back to Sri Lanka. Because there was a conflict between Sinhalese and Muslims. By that time, he was uh, asked to send to Sri Lanka, expel him to Sri Lanka. Because uh, of this sort of conflict, he understood that if he is going to go to Sri Lanka, he will be shot and killed. Thereafter, what he did, he got a picture of this superintendent of police, police, and he started to practice metta. He did throughout the night. He did, and the following day morning, the superintendent of police came to uh, came and said that he feels like this Anagarika Dharmapala, this. The man is like his own father, so he can't take him into custody. Therefore he was not taken into custody and he instead he took him to his home and he kept him in his home. Like that. The Buddha himself did metta. This power of metta. These are the, what you call power of metta. Power, can you see power? that is energy you cannot see energy but it is there power means energy there is energy to do something you can do something with that energy mental power mentally you can do many things but you cannot see these things so whether you whether we believe or not there is power there is energy there 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 is many different types of energy. Everything is energy, of course, everything is energy. So Buddha himself did. Once there was a tusker he was given 60 pots of intoxicant. He himself was furious, but he was instead, moreover, he was given 60 pots, big pots of intoxicant. So this intoxicated elephant Nalagiri called Nalagiri came towards the Buddha to attack the Buddha to kill the Buddha. Then what the Buddha did? It's the Buddha's Metta. He concentrated with Metta. To Metta the Buddha addressed this Nalagiri. They said Nalagiri cannot can't you remember the piece of sugar cane that I gave you in your previous lives? When you were an ant? Ah, Buddha reminded him a previous life, story of a previous life, how the Buddha gave him a piece of sugar cane when he was a, uh, an ant, he was an ant. Like that Buddha Buddha used his metta full of metta. this salapan and talk. So that is how we have to understand the importance of metta. So friends, in order to develop this, in order to practice metta effectively what should we do, how should we do? Metta, in order to practice develop metta we have to practice properly We have to calm down ourselves, calm down ourselves, we have to observe ourselves and we have to generate metta. First of all, we have to generate metta, we can generate, when we generate metta, we have to observe this body from top to bottom and we can use the word, may I be well and happy. May I be well and happy. You observe the whole body. Piece by piece, piece by piece, you can observe from top to bottom. And then from bottom to top. Practice. When you practice this metta, you can generate, you can feel that you have metta. You, then you can feel that energy. It's like light, like radiance which can be extended to all beings. Buddha recommended two different methods to extend metta. When we practice metta, Buddha recommended, as I said earlier, the six directions. This method is called immeasurable method, immeasurable, no measuring. Immeasurably we extend metta to all beings in our front direction, in your front direction. Extend metta. And then the back, you can either start with the, then back or right, right side, from your right, it's so right, whichever, like first front direction. Then you can either do your back direction or right direction, like this, right direction, then back, left, up and down. The Buddha said, when you extend metta, extend metta to one quarter, one quarter of the world, one quarter, that is like this, one quarter. Likewise the second, the Buddha said, likewise the second, likewise the third. Likewise, the fourth above, below. Ekaṃ diṣaṃ paritva viyaratyā, ekaṃ diṣaṃ paritva, spreading metta to all beings in one direction. Where you have to understand, you have to feel it, feel this energy. You can feel this, once you develop, practice, develop, Metta, you yourself can feel that you have metta. You have to have something to give. That is why you have to generate metta within you. Generate and then extend metta like a light all over, all over this area. And then the next, like that. That is called immeasurable metta. Appa mana cheto vimukti. Appa mana. Then the second method is called exalted method. Exalted is like this it is starting from yourself, you have to start, you have to arouse, generate metta within, and then slowly, slowly, systematically, gradually, you have to extend metta to all beings in the world, in the whole universe, starting from you. Then may We say, may I be well, happy and peaceful, then in the whole. May all beings in this whole be well, happy and peaceful. All beings in this bhavana be well, happy and peaceful. All beings in this state, all beings in this country, all beings in this world, all beings in the universe be well, happy and peaceful. Like that we extend metta. This is how we have to practice. When we practice in this manner, metta becomes our tool. Metta becomes our tool. It is always with us. Metta is always with us. Buddha said, metta yabhikha cheto ceto vimuthya when you develop, when you practice, when you associate this, ase bhavita when you uh, when you do it again and again, baavitaaye, bahuli kathāya When you do again, again and again, practice again and again, it becomes like jana, yāni kathaaye. Jana is vehicle. It's like your own vehicle, like your car. It is with you. Wherever you go, you have you have to use your car. Hmm? Wherever you go, you have to go with uh, metta. yāni kathaaye, vattu kathāya it is a tool. It's like you have a tool with you, like the carpenters. Hmm? They have their own tools wherever you, wherever they go, they have even little one. Hmm? Like the, the person, some people, whenever wherever they go, they use tools. Hmm? Like that, the uh, vatthukatae anuttitae. It stays with you all the time. It Stays with you. Parichita, it is around you. Anutta, parichita, susama raddha. You have started it properly, well done, well started. It gives you eleven benefits. The Buddha said, if you practice, develop metta effectively in this manner, it gives you eleven benefits. What are the eleven benefits? Buddha said, "Sukhang sukpati, you can sleep well, sleep well. It has the power to put you to sleep properly, nicely. That is the power of metta. Sukhang Supati. Then Sukham Patibhujati, it gives you, it helps you to wake up at the right time, proper time easily. Without any problem, you can wake up. That is the second benefit. Sukhaṃ pati Na pāpakaṃ supinaṃ pasyati. Then, while you are sleeping, no nightmares. Na pāpakaṃ supinaṃ pasyati. Then, manusanam piohoti. You become a pleasant person to humans, to others. You become a pleasant one. Amanusha nampiyo hoti. Amanusha, no manusha. Non-humans. Non-humans, not only humans. Non-humans are also happy. They themselves become happy, pleasant. You become a pleasant person to non-humans as well. Like hungry ghost, they never hurt you. Amanussanampyohoti. Then Devata Rakkhanti, the deities, they protect you. Why? You extend metta. When you extend metta, they enjoy this metta. Then they protect you. Devata Rakkhanti. And then Nasa Aggiva Visangva Satangva Kamati. He is not hurt by. By fire, poison or weapons. Why? Because as he is practising, as he is practising metta, nobody is uh, going to hurt him. Metta. Yes, metta. Nasa agiva visangwa satangva kamati. Then tuvatang chittang samadyati quickly quickly you can come to the state of calmness, serenity. Concentration. Your mind becomes uh, concentrated quickly. Tuatan chittang samadhi. Mukha vanno Your face becomes a pleasant face. Asam mulho kalang Next, you can die without confusion. No confusion. With a clear mind, you close your eyes. Uttaring appati vijjantu brahma lokupa if you are not going to attain not going to enter the path or attain enlightenment here in this world you will be born in the brahma world those are the benefits those are the 11 benefits of practice in metta metta is to be practiced to apply it in daily life we have to apply metta in daily life. When we practice metta in daily life, the Buddha said, You know, we have three modes of actions, three types of actions. Bodily actions, verbal actions and mental actions. All these actions, all our bodily actions are to be done with metta. That is the instructions given by the Buddha. All our bodily actions done should be blended with metta. All our verbal actions, whatever we talk, whatever we talk, we have to... Apply metta. Then whatever we think of, we have to apply metta. That is the application in daily life. Metta, if we have metta, we can easily develop our sila, (coughs) which is important, which is the foundation of our practice. Sila, that is why you all observe Eight precepts at the very beginning of this retreat. Sila. Important. During the retreat, during the full moon or half moon, like new moon, you to observe eight precepts. But in daily life, as daily precepts for lay persons, five precepts. If you have metta, love and friendliness. Then it is quite easy to practice to observe uh, your five precepts. You, if you have metta, how can you kill? How can you kill if you have really, if you have metta? How can you kill? Nobody kill. Nobody want to kill there. When you practice, you yourself can understand these things. So you refrain from killing, not only reprehension. You neither uh, kill nor uh, get another person to kill, or you appreciate killing. You never appreciate killing. Then stealing, how can you steal? How can you steal, if you have metta, really, if you have metta, how can you steal from others, instead you protect others property, others things, with metta thoughts, and sexual misconduct, if you have really, really, if you have metta, you never sexually misconduct, because you understand because you think of the families, you think of mother, you want to protect the mother, protect the, the uh, daughters, like that. Because of metta you don't do such thing, refrain from sexual misconduct. If you have metta you don't, you never tell lies. If you have metta, you never take intoxicant. You have to have metta towards you first. If you have metta towards you, you think of this. And at the same time, you think of other beings as well. In such a way, we can develop metta. We can extend metta to all beings and live happily, peacefully. That is the purpose of course. To live happily, peacefully, we have to practice metta. We practice metta towards ourselves and then towards all beings in the world, irrespective of their differences. So when we practice metta in this manner, the Buddha said, this is the Brahma Vihara, divinely dwelling here. Practice metta above, below, all around, and keep this metta consciousness, metta consciousness, which is blended with mindfulness. The Buddha said, Etang Sating adittheya, sati, sati means mindfulness. Now you see, we start to practice metta we start our meditation with metta and metta is eventually blended with mindfulness then what happens? Mindfulness leads to clear comprehension and mindfulness, clear comprehension and wisdom come together, insight through which you can see through, you can cut off, you can penetrate, then you can see things as they really are. If you see as they really are, you see three characteristics of existence. Anicca, dukkha, Anatta, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness and soullessness. You see this. If you see this, the Buddha said in the Karaniyameta Sutta, towards the end of the Sutta, Buddha said Dittincha anupagam silava dasanena sampannu, dasanena sampannu, what is dasana? Then as the result of practicing metta, in this manner, you switch to insight and you can become a dasana sampannu, the person with a view. What is that view? It is the view of the uh, stream enterer. You become a stream enter. Dasaneena Sampannu. You can become a stream enterer. When you become a stream enter, you see the three characteristics of existence. You see, you realize the four noble truths. You see, you realize the, the dependent origination. With this, you become a stream enterer. Once you become a stream enter, you become next. You become a once-returner, then the non-returner, then finally you become an enlightened person. Arahan, where the Buddha said in the Karaniya Mithya Sutra, towards the end, Nahi jātu gabba sayyam punareti, Nahi jātu gabba sayang. You never come back to the mother's womb to sleep. Means you never want to come back to be born you never come means the person who attain full enlightenment will not be born again so this is very clear the path is clear Buddha taught this Dhamma taught us to practice metta as a part of our practice uh, when we practice metta we can develop Uh, cultivate our serenity, concentration, meditation and when we have good concentration we can switch to insight to which we can understand real nature of the uh, life and the whole world and finally we can attain supreme bliss of Nibbana. So let's all understand this wonderful teaching of the Buddha, let's all practice properly effectively, successfully so that we can switch this to insight and realize real peace, real happiness of Nibbana. May we all attain supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu So you can write your questions and put it into the box so that I can take this tonight, give any time. Please write clearly, precisely. <laughs> couple of minutes break and come back to